0: Here's your host Sakar Kali
1: Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow podcast today I'm delighted to welcome Raj Tekchandani to our show uh, Raj is a technologies uh, veteran from uh in new york boston area and i have networked with him on many conferences he is a mutual friend that we speak a lot Uh, His amount of knowledge and expertise that he brings uh, from a data and a uh, sort of a technology perspective is always appreciated. And we kind of always uh, network and talk about, uh, you know, what things are coming on the horizon. And he's kind of a thought leader uh, on some of those initiatives as well. So thank you for taking time, Raj. I appreciate it. Uh, How about uh, get us started in terms of your background, Raj, and how you kind of came into real estate?
2: Sakar, first of all, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on this show, really. uh, I've enjoyed listening to your show, and uh, today's a great opportunity to share my views. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, my background, as you briefly mentioned, is a technology background. I'm an undergrad in computer science. I wanted to build the next Facebook back in the day, and, you know, very excited about all these new technologies. Uh, Came to the U.S. now it's been over 30 years um, to pursue my higher studies and, you know, work. I've um, been in technology most of my career, right? Uh, very fascinated with the startups. So i had done a bunch of startups. Some of them were good. Some of them you know, went bust. Uh, sure. and, mm-hmm. uh, but and all along, you know, my fascination for data had remained. Uh, you know, the power of data. Uh, sure. And then mm-hmm. my last startup, you know, we were building a data fabric, data lake. Uh, that's a technology company. So building a platform for that. <laughs> and I, I, my role almost became from pure technologist to uh, a sort of an evangelist. Uh, Because a lot of these Mm -hmm. newer technologies were hard to explain uh, to people. So I took on that path. I got my MBA along the way and became like a passion evangelist for data-related products and technologies. Uh, 2012, um, I bought my first condo. Um, Accidentally happened. My friend who was investing in real estate said, Hey, have you looked around what's going on in the property value? I said, I've been paying attention to some Mm -hmm. of the... But never, you know, thought about buying one because, you know, uh, we had a home that we lived in. We but interestingly, I took a trip down with him to uh, Orlando uh, mm-hmm. and I looked at the property values and I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Sure, and sure. I had some money sitting in the bank. So I said, you know, I'll take a, I take a risk and buy this first condo. Lo and behold, I bought that for 34400 something. Wow, uh, And the prices were just had come down crashing. I said, you know, how bad can this be? And as I bought that, it, it was already rented out. That was my really first flavor of, and I was like, this is great. And uh the cash flows just started coming in. And I was like, this is way better than any other investment that I've done. So I bought another one. I bought another one. And I also saw the prices were climbing up. So I said, you know, let me just... Lo and behold, I bought uh, nine condos uh, in, in the Orlando area. And Incredible. they've all been doing well. The property has been appreciated. And I don't remember maybe over two months of vacancies across those nine condos. It's been so great. Wow. Mm-hmm. But it came along with the whole idea of you know, managing multiple properties, managing through an asset manager. You know, at the end of the day, there are like nine bills to pay and whatever. Sure. And sure. I had been <clears throat> reading along the whole concept of multifamily investing, right? right? Sure. And this is interesting in how much data is out there, how much research you can do. Uh, so I got excited about the multifamily and uh, bought my first multifamily 2016 or 17 here in the Boston area. Mm-hmm. The property just happened to be, you know, down the street from where I live, but the neighboring town, which is, I knew was not an, a great town, but it was upcoming because it bordered our town. And this property l- happened to be on the better side of the town. You know how there's sure. two mm-hmm. sides of town across the railway tracks. Um, so I had the faith in the gentrification of that area, again, based on some data analytics and the uh, under, re, rent comparison that I've done uh, and the you know kind of income that people could do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from people living there, the tenant profile. So, you know, I bought that on uh, with some, but again, it was also learning experience and I sure. can go more on to more. I just want to stop there and, you know.
1: No, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think the, the sort of the technology, the data piece right now is so important. I mean, every day we are learning of new tools and the data itself is so important. and Uh, just the whole fabric of multifamily in general is so much central that we want to pay attention to, you know, what sort of swing in the markets is happening. And the more you can stay ahead or may uh, rather stay close to the current data, that is, in my opinion, is what helps us. And, you know, you can go either way. And, and the more you are closer to some of these metrics is what kind of shapes your, let's say, the philosophy or some of the niches that you can go by and things like that. So I, I can perfectly relate to that. And going back to your multifamily story, uh, Raj, uh, help us complete that. Like, what was your experience like? Was was it more like a smaller multifamily or Let's say if some viewers are listening and they want to be interested, perhaps, uh, how would you say that was the rents were, you know, uh, sort of lesser than the uh, prevailing market and things like that? So was that sort of the upside you saw
2: and you yeah. kind of purchased those? Absolutely. So I think clearly, like I said, it was, uh, the rents were low and it was a 15 unit property, mm-hmm. uh, all two bedrooms, uh, one bath. And I could see that the rents are going to come up. On the area, a little bit of you know upgrade was needed, sure, but it's an older property. And mm-hmm. uh, what I didn't realize at the time was you know, and my un- underwriting skills were still coming up to speed, sure. And uh, mm-hmm. now I would have you know caught more, a lot more things. So sure. the experience was good in terms of you know, managing it and all, all these you know, 15 units or 15 mm-hmm. units under one roof. Um, uh, so one bills, you know, common bills to pay, sure, but it had its own challenges. I mean, you know, and sure. uh, very. Much required a property manager that was more savvy than I am. I'm not a property manager by any chance. I mean sure, I, sure. I rely on property managers, uh, expert property managers. So we so we uncovered a lot of things that were not listed in the PL that we got to T12, mm-hmm. um, mainly because the previous seller had his uh, relative doing the property management. Sure.
1: And if I may ask you in between there, Raj, I I assume that it was a vintage building, perhaps 70s or before. Oh, no, 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 no. This is way older than that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Makes perfect sense. Uh,
2: Let's
1: let's talk about some of that stuff as well, Raj, is that the vintage buildings, right? Or perhaps some of of them are historical ones as well. I mean, a lot of Northwest, you are in Boston, I am in Maryland as well a lot of sort of housing stock here in Northeast in general, I like to say is that it's mostly built in like, let's say 40s, 50s, some in 30s, Mm -hmm. 20s as well. And it, it obviously brings in a whole set of new challenges. This is not like a, typical garden-style multi, garden multifamily that we see. You know, you have sort of, you know, unique level of construction, the mechanical, of course, the foundation and things like that. Would you maybe help us understand some of those aspects in your Oh, aspect?
2: yeah. I mean, like I said, there's this, like, you know, they had these heating boards in everybody's room and the control was in one of the units. So <laughs> uh, we tried to, you know, say, okay, we put a lock on that unit and uh, there is the basement was... Uh, in bad shape and the uh, the plumbing is older sure. so you have to and this, you know the, the systems are old um, I mean they were not you know tenant friendly so in terms of that you know we didn't want, to want people to go down there to the basement sure. so we had to secure some spots and you know, make sure that it's uh, you know people don't go down there and make it more secure make it more safe for kids uh, so a lot of work to be done that in these sure. days, if you look at a new property, some of them, you, you know don't even have to think about those things. Sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure.
1: No, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you got to worry about, you know, the there's enough ample access or egress and things yeah. like that, whether yeah. you have, uh, you know, decent space for washer dryers and things like that. So there's just, I mean, having myself managed a lot, many of such properties, you can tell that I, I kind of see that some of the telltale signs uh, uh, you know, there's, a, as you alluded to, I think there's a lot of uncovered issues also that you notice. Now, moving on, how was your sort of your first multi large multifamily experience? So like, you know, how would you kind of shift it to the larger multifamily side of the house?
2: So interestingly, alongside when I was doing my whole research on multifamily and learning about my first self-education, which I highly encourage all listeners to do, I mean, there is, you should absolutely, either you're passive or active, definitely get educated sure um my I had a friend from high school who was doing this and he actually brought me a deal to say you know do you want to invest passively I said sure let me take a look at it but when I looked at it he explained to me it was like 300 units Mm -hmm. and there was like uh, large numbers of digits like I I talked funnily and said there were too many zeros for my comprehension sure, sure I said you know how do you even do this I mean this is impossible I mean this is I mean, we we have lived in apartment complexes, but never thought of owning an apartment complex. Sure. Yeah, duplex, fourplex, you know, even 15 unit is manageable, but how do you do 300 units? Sure. So he, that, you know, introduced me to the world of syndication, right? And how it's done, that Mm -hmm. how much, how you raise money from uh, private markets and our public uh, investors. So that was my first experience to saying no to that, right? And I said, sure. well, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I went back to learning more about it. Mm-hmm. And when I got comfortable of, you know, understanding how do you invest out of state, what data metrics you have to find out? So all those things about job growth, income sure. growth, data that we analyze now, mm-hmm. I started looking at that again in a big mm-hmm. way and, you know, following uh, some of the large indicators as how they do it. And then I said, okay, this is interesting. Now I'm ready for passive investment, so let me find a deal. So I went back to the same group of investors that had declined first, and uh, they were doing another deal, this time mm-hmm. in Georgia. And I did that, and I did another deal uh, that was in, uh, also in Georgia, uh, two deals in there, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, got very comfortable with the whole idea of passive investing, and I said, yeah. you know, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was uh, finishing up my five years in the startup, the tech data startup that I said. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do, do another startup in technology. At that point, I decided uh, whether I want to do that or should I do this full-time. Sure. Since mm-hmm. now I had built some you know, c- equity and cash flow, sure. uh, and cash flow was very, very enticing to me. So I quit my W-2 to do this full-time
1: interesting very nice very nice i think the, the the fact that you said that hey you first studied the space rather than just kind of jumping in and you know trying to figure things out is i think uh, that should be i think bold and underlined there is that know the sort of space first educate yourself as to what you're getting into and then first decide would you agree
2: absolutely 100 percent. even you know when i got into more of active investing and you know uh, raising capital for some of our deals I actually started with an education platform. I mean, sure. hmm. it started with four people and me buying them chicken biryani to, you know, come and listen to me. Uh-huh. Uh, and that kind of grew from there. Like we had monthly meetups and, you know, I was talking to more on uh, on, on the podcast circuit is how this in education, self-education is so important. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know, so that meetup group became a very interesting group for us because I kept it small. It was very education focused, and it was very focused on apartment investing. Uh, sure. Because I had seen a bunch of other meetups around in the Boston area, and they were talking about wholesaling, flipping, and I couldn't get to a meetup that was exactly what I needed to attend. So sure. I said, if not, I'll create my own meetup. Sure. Sure. And sure. from the four, 10 people, now we have almost 700 people uh, in that meetup.
1: Incredible, incredible way to take action. So now speaking of markets, right? You know, those are some of the sort of the basics that we say that, hey, could you maybe help us understand, like for passive investors, how important it is, like let's say if someone is presenting your deal, what are some of the first uh, elementary things that you advise for passive investors that
2: they should check on? Uh, on yeah, Spotify? absolutely. So I think I actually, to shameless plug here, but I actually wrote, you know, uh, e-guide on that. So what sure. you look for before you make a passive investment, 99 questions to ask or mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I talk about you know there's different categories of what you have to look at, and uh, sponsorship team is one. Sure, absolutely, I mm-hmm. have to look at who the sponsor is, mm-hmm. and then we go into markets, and within sure. the markets, we have we talk about you know 15 elements or 12 elements that we should look at: mm-hmm. uh, the population growth, the economic diversity, the income growth. You know, even you know what how prone is it to weather conditions. Sure. Then we mm-hmm. look at you know some of these STEM jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those factors go into understanding what the market is. Sure. And, uh, you know, if, if, if there is only one anchor uh, kind of uh, industry there, sure. That could be hit. I mean, a lot of industries we know in these COVID times have been hit. And Absolutely. If everything was based around an airline, mm-hmm. imagine what happened, right? Or a cruise. Absolutely. It could have been hit bad. So Absolutely. we go for big diversity of, you know, uh, jobs and uh, all those things. So, those, a lot of things to look for those in markets. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Couldn't agree more. Now, uh, speaking of capital raising, educating your investors and things like that, let's let's talk, uh, Raj, about how do you go about it? Like what sort of, uh, you know, you mentioned you have your meetup, right? Uh, could you maybe help us understand like how you're spreading the word, how you're networking
2: with more uh, newer investors and things like that? So I'll take you through the journey of the last one year in you know, five minutes, let's say, if you can sure. do it. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I started with a smaller meetup. It was purely educational, and it was basically introduction to multifamily, so mm-hmm. multifamily 101 or syndication mm-hmm. 101. Mm-hmm. And I did that for multiple groups over time, and then that became very popular. So people who came to the meetup asked questions about it, and then they got more comfortable about it. Mm-hmm. And more they got comfortable, more their interest grew in you know, passive investments. So I used to share what kind of investments we are doing Uh, with them or what we have done in the past and how they have worked, things Mm -hmm. that did not work for us, right? I mean, we Mm -hmm. were in a deal that did not go through because we found something in due diligence. So important of due diligence. absolutely. All those things, you know, when to back away from a deal, what to look for in a deal. And that meetup kind of like it grew. And like I said, between that meetup and the podcast. And then I said, you know what, I'm doing this again and again and again. So why not write some, you know, e-guides to do that? So I wrote, you know, three or four e-guides just to do that. And then I, all, towards end of the last year or early this year, I created an email course. It's like a eight day email course that mm-hmm. talks about all that. I call it the eight pieces of pie, sure. pie standing for passive investor education. I see. so you know yeah. So over the last couple of months, over one hundred and fifty people have gone through that course, and awesome. they come back and they ask more questions. And so that's it's basically raising awareness of you know what it is. And I never talk about this as capital raising. I say to you, hey, if you understand this, this is an opportunity for you to invest alongside us in our projects as an opportunity for you, repeat that again, Uh, to, you know, diversify, to diversify. It's like, you know, you all, a lot of people have been investing in the stocks and bonds and, you know, pure markets. And it's it's just a way to diversify yourself. And uh, along the way, you know, they learn about the benefits of real estate, the tax advantages, you know, all that other stuff. So that's how we do it.
1: Absolutely. And I totally agree with you. I think everybody knows the public markets, right? I mean, everyone will talk about the stocks and things like that, but never ever people understand like, you know, these are the sort of the uh, the blind side or perhaps the uh, sort of the club side of investing where, you know, once you know folks and can help us present the deals, I think the world of opportunity is there. I think as you alluded to, like, you know, a lot of high net worth individuals are looking for uh, you know, hey, uh, a solution for tax. I mean, they have the sort of the disposable income that they can say, yes, we want to invest, but how can I save myself into taxes and things like that, right? So g- give us some themes Raj as to, as you have networked with investors, right? Uh, some of them are pretty sophisticated. Some of them are not that savvy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the top few things uh, you have to kind of reiterate to people is uh, is it the deal is it like sort of let's say the sponsor or is it something you're talking about markets more and more yep. what are some of the few basic things you have to keep on iterating to pass the investment
2: so i think as as in my email course i start off with you know what your goals are right sure it's very mm-hmm. important to align your goals with your investments sure so if sure. you're closer to retirement you want you know something that is capital preservation sure if you're younger you know, maybe you want to take more risks and, you know, you want cash and maybe you want more cash flow right away and you sure. don't want much of equity. So mm-hmm. all those things, once they are clear, they align yourself to either, you know, um, you want to. And again, these are illiquid investments. I mean, you, sure. know that. So, you know, making sure that people are not investing their last dollars right into it. Absolutely. This is, this is money that they can put aside for four or five years. Sure. That's very important to know. Sure. And some of that is, you know, nicely regulated by SEC, by the guidance of, you know, that you can't take these monies from everybody and anybody, so which is good. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of that education, a lot of that, you know, pointers around taxes. Again, you know, I'm not a CPA, but I, through my, you know, educational platform, I also have a webinar series. Mm-hmm. So I invite, you know, CPAs and tax guys and cost segregation guys to talk about, you know, why real estate is a great vehicle sure. uh, that people have not known about
1: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Now, as we are going through the COVID times, Raj, you know, more and more focus is getting drawn into how are the existing assets performing, right? And, and that goes back to your topic of passion, which is data right? Like, are the rents on time? Who's impacted? Who's not impacted? Uh, Is there enough turnover in the unit cell? Things like that. Can you maybe talk about, uh, you know, asset management is a loaded word as as you call, but there's just so many elements to it. Uh, Could you maybe help us understand, uh, you know, what are sort of some of those metrics or perhaps what are, what is some of the data that we are using nowadays uh, to kind of uncover some of these things?
2: No, absolutely. So I think we we do a lot of tenant, uh, you know, research when we do our property buying. So you know, sort of tenant profile, right? We look at who, what is the mix. <laughs> like I said, it's always good to have an economic mix, uh, mix, and you know, different kind of jobs, so that if if one industry gets impacted, you know, your tenant base completely doesn't get impacted. Sure. And that's why we look at some of the STEM-related areas, right? So STEM, which is science, technology, job, those kind of jobs, right, are sure. important because they tend to get less impacted in such times. Mm-hmm. And we have seen that through our investments uh, and more of, you know, sort of day-to-day workers have been impacted more. Sure, so it's very sure. good to have a good tenant profile. And that, we, that is something we watch very closely, especially in these COVID times. Sure, sure. I mean, we know that right now the stimulus package is on and everybody's getting their uh, stimulus checks, but we had to analyze, again, data to say, okay, what if these checks stop, right? Sure. What percentage of our tenant base is going to be impacted? Very good to know about all those things, and then you know maybe do we have cash reserves for that? Sure. For the cash reserves are there just in case a certain tenant profile is not able to pay, and we still have to meet our other you know requirements. So yeah, that all that is very important, and then we all trying to you know see in these times how can we do more for using technology? I mean virtual tours, uh, all that stuff that is you know a lot of you will see in a few months or future near future, a lot of augmented reality and, you know, all these things are going to come into play. Absolutely. Uh, people can, you know, um, you know sit in, in their room or in their house and imagine living in a different apartment and how that apartment look like. So sure, a lot sure. of that is going to come into being. Um, also, from a data perspective, very important to, you know, uh, keep sense of your pulse of your tenant base, right? Your community. Sure, sure. So, you know, what are they talking about in their reviews? Do a sensitive sensitivity analysis on that. Mm-hmm. You know, why is why is the sen- sentiment this uh, sorry i meant sentiment analysis sure sure uh, so why is the sentiment what it is right mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. can we change that proactively what sure. can we do for our you know tenants mm-hmm. uh, we used to do a lot of you know cultural things to keep the tenants you know occupied and their kids busy how can we use the covid uh, times to do that i mean what sure. kind of virtual engagements we can do sure, so that sure. tenant base is very important is you know to keep your tenant base happy and uh, staying there. I agree with
1: you. I think COVID has thrown a very interesting twist on things. Where, uh, as you alluded to, I think y- y- you know, like all the uh, sort of the neighborhood parties or the block parties in the apartments that have that have completely vanished. People are sort of indoors, and it's an interesting time. That how do you hold uh, sort of those virtual uh, events? How can you maybe keep the engagement of your Uh, you know, sort of the tenants properly. And and as you alluded to the the word, sentimental analysis is a very interesting term that you want to understand what the emotions and what issues are happening. And perhaps the more you can keep them engaged, the better off you are. Now, speaking of all of this, right, through the COVID times, uh, Raj, how do you think, perhaps, do you think uh, that as we go through the whole covid pandemic and in a, of course it is still unraveling do you still feel that there are few gyrations uh, uh, still going to come in the market meaning you might still see some distress or some stress uh, in the market what are some of your thoughts around that
2: i think we will see some distress especially around you know like i said areas that have been impacted or will be impacted we haven't seen much yet i mean sure sure we haven't seen any major price drops yet uh, but I think they are coming. They're coming, especially in the areas that have uh, don't have the economic diversity that will sustain this COVID times. Sure. Uh, fortunately for us, some of our properties have been in you know high technology areas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't seen and we don't anticipate much dip there. Sure. But you know the other areas in you know sort of uh, non-urban places that you have, sure, the properties of other people have the properties. We'll definitely see an impact. You know, once once the tenant base vanishes. The properties will have to take a beating.
1: Sure, sure, and I and I share your sentiment there, Raj, where I think um, you know, sort of the tertiary markets or perhaps markets who have like sort of one base, right? Uh, you know, let's say the business gets impacted, you certainly have uh, you know more so the blue-collar worker class will certainly start to see that stress. I mean, uh, for example, right now we are sitting on a. Uh, sort of, uh, you know, economy that's sort of uh, floating on the base of stimulus for for that matter, right? But as all those things start to wane off, we will start to see a transition where perhaps, you know, who's going really on an active payroll or are their jobs being affected? So all of that, I think uh, the dust has not settled yet. Let's put it that way, right? So, in closing, Raj, what are some of the things you are looking forward to like, as we kind of, uh, you know, go through in the rest of 2020 or perhaps are you looking at like more deals or more COVID resilient markets where you can purchase? What are some of the things you are looking forward to through rest of the year? Yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. Uh, COVID resilient is a good term, but I think we we, we we definitely look at markets that have a stronger technology focus, uh, stronger medical focus. So, yeah. Um, and being very careful about analyzing deals. So yeah, we are still looking at a lot of deals, and but sure. we're very, 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 very picky, more so than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and still making a cautious attempt whether to you know uh, put an offer or not because we know the markets would could uh, go down. Sure. But again, if we see an area uh, which is high tech area, jobs are coming up, population is growing, you know, all the other signs are right, and we see a property that is under market rents, mm-hmm. uh, clearly for whatever reason mismanagement or whatever in the past. We definitely like to jump on that. Awesome, awesome. Uh, well, you've been a great
1: guest, uh, Raj. I appreciate all the insights. Uh, I think that the, uh, leadership through data and marketing techniques that you have adopted certainly have helped uh, investors and a lot of other uh, folks as well. Kindly uh, share with our listeners, Raj, how they can find
2: you and learn more about your services? Absolutely. So easiest way is my email address, raj at smartcapitalmgmt.com. Sure. That's the website www.smartcapitalmgmt.com, and just my email is raj at
1: Incredible. Thank you, Raj, for coming on. For uh, listeners and viewers of the podcast, uh, premiumcashflow.com would be your destination to log on. Uh, We have lots of articles, uh, recent stats, and of course our podcast where guests like uh, Raj are uh, off and on. So you can log in there. If you are interested in any uh, private investments or want to know learn more about multifamily and things like that, uh, kindly register yourself. We can perhaps jump on a short phone call and see if uh, we could help each other. And if you're interested in any other investments, that would be another avenue we can partner on. So uh, thank you, for Raj. And I look forward to talking to you on another future topics and
2: uh, another future podcast as well. Thank, so, Thank you thank again you. for having me, Sakhar. Thank you. Absolutely.
0: Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.